dominating our front page is a just bursting off of the paper is a wonderful picture by Michael Koff, who traveled all the way to Cicero near Syracuse to cover the state championships in track and field. And this is Isabel Bruno, who in this picture is doing the triple jump. And it was Saturday. And in the state competition, she came in third. She jumped 38 feet, 4.75 inches. And the next day, Saturday, she won and is the Federation champion. So congratulations. How wonderful. And she's just a junior. So who knows what she'll do next year. Our lead story is by Sean Mulcairin. He was writing about the new zoning proposal for Voorheesville, which is the result of months and months of master planning process. And he just made a call to see how that new zoning would affect Stewart's, who, as everyone in the village knows, had bought the iconic Smith's Tavern and was planning on building a Stewart's gas station and shop there. Well, the news is they're going to sell They're hoping to recoup the $250,000 they spent on the building and another $100,000 on planning. Sean had a very, another exciting thing happen on Wednesday. He, of course, had written and posted online, as other news media had, when a body was found in Thatcher Park by an off-trail hiker on the Indian Ladder Trail recently reopened. And it's presumed to be Dr. Bruce Decker, who had disappeared at the park in February. And Sean had spent months trying to find out about Dr. Decker. There was no missing persons report filed, um, no people who seemed to know him. Sean had traced back through his high school yearbook and an earlier medical office. But we even put an ad in the paper looking for people. But his cousin contacted Sean on Wednesday and said, yes, he has family and he wants people to know it. They hadn't seen each other Um for decades, <laughs> Bruce Decker was 20, uh, 10 at the time, and Warren Becker was 20. But we found out about who he was as a person, and we're so happy to be able to include that in this week's edition. Meanwhile, Elizabeth Floyd Mayer um, covered, as did the other media, um, the judge in Gilderland, Richard Sherwood, who on Monday pleaded guilty both in the Albany County Court, as well as the federal court, to felony charges having to do with a scheme where he and an alleged co-conspirator had built the estate of elderly philanthropists to the tune of over $11 million. But meanwhile, Elizabeth came up with a story nobody else had, and that is about filling the slot left vacant by Richard Sherwood. The town board had unanimously appointed Christian Christine Napierski to that post, but come time for the Democratic Committee, and she's a Democrat, and the board is predominantly Democrats, they picked instead Brian Clemahan, and no one spoke up for her except for herself. Fascinating story there. Turning the page, we have our editorial on a recent decision a series of unanimous votes by the Gilderland Town Board with no prior discussion at meetings to buy a bariatric ambulance and have the town staff it. At that town board meeting on June 5th, the president of the Westmere Turnpike Rescue Squad raised several concerns and questions about that. And our opinion is it's good to let the public know what you're doing with the public's money. And it's still not too late to to produce the facts and the figures that show how 
This ambulance will be staffed how much it will cost as compared to the current two services that have been used for decades in town. They started as volunteer services, the Western Turnpike Rescue Squad, which is now all paid, and the Altamont Rescue Squad, which has 12 volunteers and 18 paid members working side by side. Mark Grimm, Albany County legislator, uh, wrote us uh, the the opposite opinion exactly of what we had in our editorial last week. He feels the paid sick leave law being considered by the county would harm businesses, not-for-profits, and consumers. We thought it would help them. Nancy Free, the vice president of the Knox Historical Society, is inviting the public on June 16th to come to the museum there in the center of Knox Hamlet to learn about the anti-rent wars. And we have another letter and it's a continuing series on medical marijuana. This one from Dan McSweeney, who's the former president of United War Veterans, writing about the need to expand access to veterans. Turning the page, we have a picture of Kim Blasiak, who is this featured in this week's podcast. And she's just an incredible mother of four children. One of her children um, is on the autism spectrum. And This has led her to become a real advocate for special needs education, and she founded a special needs PTA in Gilderland and uh, just has very positive things to say about how to be an advocate and what what kinds of things can be accomplished. We loved it. When the interview was over, her boy Alex called and said, I want to play with you, Mommy. So she had to rush home to be with him. John Williams writes about the lovely coming of spring as well as several other interesting topics from their Tuesday breakfast conversation. James Gage from the American Legion is urging people to dispose of flags properly, and the Legion will take in those flags when they are worn and ceremoniously burn them. We also have a letter from Dennis Barber, who is on the town board in Knox and is Excited about the upcoming Pucker Street Fair and urging people to buy ride tickets ahead to save money. Finally, another letter from Knox, Pat Lightbody, who's in the auxiliary for the fire department, commending people for their turning out to support the the recent um, commemoration on Memorial Day. And last but not least, we have a letter from the master of the Bethlehem Grange, Carol Carpenter, talking about a number of fundraising efforts to help that historic building. It's on the National Register, and one of them is an upcoming rummage sale. More from Sean on the Stewart's sale of Smitty's, and there's a picture of the iconic, now deserted tavern, and we'll be following that story to see what happens next, if it sells, who buys it, what might be going into that piece of prime property right right near the center of the village. H. Rose Schneider was busy, as always, in the hill towns this week, and she uh, writes here about a back and forth at a Westerlo meeting over celebrating what is called Hometown Heroes, a banner program. And unlike some of the other places we've covered, the utility poles in Westerlo are not Niagara Mohawk, which puts those banners up for free, and it involves several steps the town must take to um, protect itself from liability in installing those, but under the leadership of Amy Burnside, it's going forward, and we hope the rifts that opened over this will close, because we really think all parties concerned are in favor of this, and just trying to work through in a responsible way for the town. A big surprise in Knox, as our readers know, we've been writing for months and months about Vasilios Lefskadidis' push to 
form a second business district in town uh, near the intersections of Route 156 and 157. And he got um, elected on the same ticket this time with Mr. Saddlemeyer and Mr. Pritchard. And together, uh, it looked like they'd be able to push that through. But so many residents of that district had objected, as well as the planning board members, all but one who had opposed it for reasons of traffic and karstiology. And just when it seemed in his grasp, he switched uh, his aspirations. Mr. Lefkadidis instead recommended that it be a different kind of district that might be more amenable to the people that are living there. And we will continue to follow that story and see what happens. This is Elizabeth Floyd Mayer's in-depth look at the proposal originally made at the June 5th town board meeting by Donald Doinow, who oversees, he's the medical director for the Gilderland Police Department's paramedic unit. And this is Alan Fitzpatrick, who had raised some concerns and objective, and she has found out from all sides as much as we can know and let the public know about ambulance services in the town of Gilderland. Sean Mulcairin was... Um, taken with the knowledge of uh, a speaker at a recent New Scotland Historical Society gathering where he is from the State Museum and has put together exhibits on the Erie Canal. And these are just, uh, it's a fascinating look at what the Erie Canal meant both economically and socially for the state of New York at the time it was built. And this is more from Elizabeth on um, the battle for the seat vacated by Richard Sherwood, which will be decided in the November election. This is the woman, Christine Napersky, the lawyer who was the top of 14 candidates and unanimously put in place uh, several months ago by the town board and has been trained and serving as judge. And this is the challenger who had the backing of the Democratic Committee. It will be decided at caucus. Brian Clenahan, uh, also a lawyer who's um, had influential jobs in state government and whose mother-in-law is Judge Randall currently sitting on the bench as a judge in Gilderland Town Court. And here, of course, is Richard Sherwin with details of both the federal case against him taken from the plea agreement, um, which he signed on Monday, as well as the state case against him. Blotters, we have arrests as usual. Uh, Rose wrote a story unusual for the hill towns of a burglary. Um, sometime overnight, someone broke in as yet unarrested into the PL Deli in Westerlo, took about $500 worth of cash, about $500 worth of cigarettes, and damaged so that it was not usable, the cash register. And uh, the manager said most of the people there know by heart the price of items, and they were using a calculator to to tally it up. Uh, this is a drug bust in Bethlehem. Two women were arrested late last week. Um, Brendan O'Neill was sentenced for producing child pornography, and a former Byrne employee that we've written quite a bit about, Scott Green, has been issued a stay-away order because of two employees at Town Hall, and he's contesting that. It's been, we assume, because of um, conflict of interest matters. It's going to be heard in New Scotland Town Court, and Rose will continue to follow that. 
lots going on in our community on the calendar. And Jim Gardner, one of our favorite photographers and our publisher emeritus, took a slew of great pictures, as did Dan Frinta of the annual Gas Up. And we only had room for one, but you can see the others online. And it happened last weekend, will happen again, and of course features many wonderful old machines and a chance. It's free admission. It's in Schoharie. We recommend it. It also has homemade ice cream and a parade and lots of fun things. Um, speaking of parades, we have a centennial parade from the McCallumville Fire Department, which Michael Koff covered, and we commend them on 100 years of service. This vehicle was manufactured the year before the department was founded. It's from Ellesmere. It's from 1917. <laughs> and here's the Grand Marshal of the parade in a wonderful Wonderfully finned car, waving hello with his white-gloved hand. Lots going on with our seniors. The Hilltown senior correspondent, Alice Gibbs, sent in this picture, which we call Double Dibble. Dottie Dibble is turned 80, and her son Bill is 59, as his cupcake shows, and they celebrate it in style. And this is really wonderful news. Carol Coogan, who I hope our readers recognize, does stellar artwork for us every week on our editorial page. She's posing here with a mural she did at Five Rivers. She's a multi-talented artist, and the reason we have a portrait of her this week, which I was honored to write, is because this cartoon won a second place prize nationwide in the um, National Newspaper Association contest, and it just captures the anger that women can feel um, trapped by harassment, and um, congratulations, Carol. Michael Koff was on the job this weekend at the Renaissance Fair at Indian Ladder Farms and captured sword fighting, scarf dancing, and a very uh, cordial crow. <laughs> Lots is going on at our local libraries, as always, and we featured a picture this week by Nan Wilson, um, which is on display um, at the Gilderland Public Library. Sadly, we had many obituaries this week. We talked to the brother of Jack Moses, who is hosting a very unusual service for him in the town park in Fuhrer Bush this weekend. He said BYOB and chairs, and we hope it's a grand celebration. We were touched to hear from the son of Gerald Dean Moore all about um, the absolute dedicated mother that she was and some of the many adventures that she had. Uh, likewise, um, Marie Luft Young um, just left an indelible mark on her daughters and um, this is a tribute to her. Victor Lown, who wanted to be pictured, his family said, with a fish, and there we have him. His family described him as a man of many things. Father grandfather, great-grandfather, and um, beloved by his family. Roseanne Potter, who died at the young age of 66 and leaves behind many mourners. And finally, Larry Frunk, who um, had a varied life that was punctuated by his tenacity and love of hard work. And finally, we have Edith Keys from Gilderland, who died peacefully with her family. This is more on um, Dr. Bruce Decker, as remembered by his cousin, as well as um, the 
police perspective on finding a body and the medical examiner that will have to declare, although his wallet was found nearby with his identification, um, about his identity. And we end with a glorious, <laughs> victorious page. Noah Tyndall made it to states and typically, as is his style, started at the back of the pack and worked his way almost up to the front and our photographer was quietly rooting for him. But alas, he did not win. Um, I think he was fourth. And uh, he, he will be back next year. He's just a junior. And as we started and we will end, congratulations to Isabella Bruno on her grand jumping. And we wish you a good week.